Well, I want to talk about jealousy. I know. I prayed about it and I was like, can I talk about something a bit more nicer, like love um, or joy or being thankful? But I just felt the Lord say, I want you to talk on the subject of jealousy. And uh, the reason why is because throughout the Bible and human relationships, jealousy has played a part. Now, if you don't believe me, you just look at Cain and Abel. They were siblings. Uh, they brought a sacrifice before God. Abel's sacrifice was acceptable. Cain got jealous. Uh, and it says that sin was crouching at the door. And Cain was so angry at his brother because God accepted his sacrifice. And, and when I read about that, I think, well, sin was crouching at the door, but we are the ones that open the door to sin. And so sin was crouching at the door, and as a result, as a, as a, as a result of that, Cain murdered his brother Abel because he was jealous. And we look throughout the Word of God, we look at relationships like Jacob and Esau. Esau was jealous of Jacob. If you're a younger sibling in here, you'll know what I mean. I'm the youngest of three. Um, the youngest normally tends to get away with murder. Am I right? There's about 10 years between my um, older sister uh, and I'm the baby. And I can say that I did manipulate things. Because you know you're cuter when you're the youngest. And the, and the older child, put your hand up if you're the eldest. You're the guinea pig. So, uh, you know, you do something and your parents scold you or they tell you off or whatever it is. Uh, and then when you're the youngest, nothing happens. Do you, know what I'm, do you know what I'm talking about? So as a younger sibling, I would get away with stuff. But you look throughout the Word of God and you look at siblings like Leah and Rachel. Now, Leah and Rachel were sisters. Leah was probably the less pretty one. Leah was jealous of Rachel. But Rachel was also jealous of Leah because Leah could produce babies and at the time, Rachel couldn't. So there was jealousy happening there. Then we go to King David, or before he was king, uh, King Saul. It says that he had a jealous eye on David because David was the people's choice. And we look throughout the Word of God, we look at different relationships, and I think, what was the key thing that separated those relationships? And it was jealousy or envy. And I think this is really important because, you know, we can say, well, I'm not the jealous type. But sometimes it can creep in. It says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is patient and kind. And this is what love is not. Love is not jealous, boastful, and proud. And so love is not jealous. And I just want to finish there. Love is not jealous. It says in Proverbs also that um, anger is cruel and wrath is like a flood, or wrath, wrath is like a flood, but jealousy is even more dangerous Jealousy is even more dangerous. And I'm just going to share a few stories personally about dealing with it. Um, it's something that I'm not proud of, but I know that God is working in us because rivalries can happen. You know, there's rivalries between, uh, and, you know, some people are New South Wales supporters. I don't know if you're in the room. Yeah, I'm not. Go Queensland. 
I see right now, you're hating on me. Anyway, but in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, it says, it is not wise to compare. And what jealousy does is it unlocks unhealthy comparison. It starts to uh, mess with our minds and uh, it talks about how it's not wise. But in James 3, let me read it out to you, if you can put it on the screen. James 3, 13 to 16 It says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. And humility is a key. It's humbling yourself, having, uh, thinking of others better than yourselves. But if you are, but if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not, the, not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly and spiritual and demonic. Can I just read that out again? It's earthly, unspiritual and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder of every kind. You know, some people will say, but jealousy is not that bad because doesn't it say that God is a jealous God? And I love the way that Tim Keller explains godly jealousy. He says, godly jealousy is love fighting extinction. It's love fighting extinction. And it's like, God wants your full heart. He doesn't want you to be divided uh, looking at other things. It's like when you get married, you're married to one person and that person doesn't want you to be looking anywhere else. God wants our full and whole devotion. And so the godly jealousy is love fighting extinction. God wants our full attention. But normal jealousy, no, it's not good. And I just want to read the story, and I find the story really hilarious. It's in John 21, 20 to 24. And just to give you full context of this passage, Peter, this is uh, Peter, uh, Peter and Jesus were walking together, and Jesus told Peter how he was going to die. Now, I don't know you in prophetic words, but if someone told me, you know, like, this is how, you're gonna, how your life is going to end, I'd be like, thanks. Thanks, Jesus. Um, It's so funny. I was talking to my daughters and I said, "Um, would you die for your faith? And they were like, yeah. I mean, Ruby said, oh, I'll probably end up in prison for my faith. Uh, She's the middle one. And uh, one of my girls, I won't say who, but she said, I think I'd rather die in my sleep. Um, But anyway, in the story, uh, Jesus had just told Peter what was gonna happen to him. And this is Peter's response. So Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple that Jesus loved, the one who leaned over to Jesus during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? So he wanted to know, what about John? Like, how was, how was his life gonna end? Like, you just gave me this prophetic word that this is how... I'm, I'm going to die. This is, my, uh, this is my destiny, my calling. So what about John? 
And Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Isn't that interesting? It's like, it's none of your business. What happens to John? He just said, follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple, who was John, wouldn't die. But that's not what Jesus said. He didn't say that John wasn't gonna die, but he's, he said, look, Peter, this is your calling. This is, what I've, that, this is what I've given you. But as for John, it's none of your business. And we've gotta realize that unhealthy comparison triggers or unlocks jealousy. Sometimes we can think, well, you know, it's not fair. Some of the things that happened to me. But this is how we know that we have unhealthy comparison in our life. Number one is through pride. You start to look at people and go, at least my life's not like that. You know, you start to think that you're better than somebody. But another way that it can manifest in our life is unhealthy comparison can unlock inferiority. You can walk into a room and feel like you're less than. So pride, you're better than. Inferiority, it's like I feel less than whenever I walk into the room. I feel like I'm an invisible. And I just want to say to you out there, if you feel like that, that's not God. That is not God, because you know what it says in his word, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you are chosen, that you're special. You're a child of God. And that's a lie, and we've got to stop agreeing with the lie of the enemy. So when you walk into a room, walk with confidence. So unhealthy comparison can reveal itself through pride, inferiority, And then you start to speak about others in a way that you talk about other people's faults. This is how you know. Well, you start to get critical. You start to think, oh, did you hear about that person? Yeah, useless, eh? I knew that would happen to them. Your conversation starts to be laced with criticism. And that's how you know you have unhealthy comparison. And there's nothing wrong with competition. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with healthy competition, like the Olympics. That's awesome. But when you're on the sideline of a netball court and you hear parents, I feel like saying to them, hey, it's not the Olympics, eh? You look at the five-year-old kids trying to play netball and they're like, come on, come on, ref, you know, and they start to go really ugly. And I'm like, I don't want to be that parent. So I never was. (laughs) ask my kids I was terrible on the sideline of netball I didn't even know what was going on but you start to look across the room you don't stay in your lane and you know the thing is there's one place you can stay absolutely free and that's your lane so stay in your lane and there's a phrase or a term called rubbernecking When you're on the motorway and there's an accident, you start to, they call that rubbernecking, you start to look over. Remember, it's none of your business. Keep driving, unless you know that person that's crashed, but stop rubbernecking, stop saying, hey Lord, what about that person? Do you know God is God and God is big? He doesn't need your help, unless you're actually praying 
praying for that person, praying for their good, supporting them, but not going, oh God, can you just do something about that person? They're really annoying me. So stop rubbernecking. Also, it can manifest itself through one-upmanship. Now, what is one-upmanship? It's when someone has a better story than you. Some of us know relatives like that. You know, it's like, my son, my son's a lawyer. Oh, my son's a judge. You know, it's like, it goes up and up. I remember telling someone I had a cold and they topped me up with I had COVID. And I was like, okay, you win. Actually, a friend of mine who's a missionary, now she didn't mean to do this, but I had a really killer headache after church. And I remember saying, oh man, my headache. And she said, oh yeah, when I had, um, when I had tuberculosis, I was like, okay. <laughs> you win, I'm healed. But it's that, that kind of, someone always has to have a better story. All of us have a friend like that, am I right? It's like you tell like, oh yeah, you know. Um, Say if something really amazing happened to you, something super amazing happened to them. And you're like, okay, cool, cool, Buzz. But all of us have friends like that. But here's the thing, jealousy is really ugly. It's not attractive. How do I know this? Because I've been there, I felt like that. I felt envy. You know, you look through social media and you go, wow. You know, you watch those, um, I don't know what they're called, reels or TikTok, I don't know. Are they the same thing? Anyway. Um, and you know when they, <laughs> they show someone and they're like, they're showing their transformation and it takes about two minutes, or no, 20 seconds, and they're like, uh, and then they turn around and then they're, they're like really skinny or something, I don't know. But I'm like, wow, how did they do that? It's amazing. But little did I know, it took them like six months or two years. But you know, it's the a, it's a power of editing. And I just think we've got to stop falling into the trap of unhealthy comparison. I just want us to look in the mirror today and identify those things that cause us to just stop that cause us to think we're less than or we're better than, that help us with our mouth, our tongue, our, our words. We need to stop. So how do we stop? Well, we need to learn to celebrate. Now, what do I mean about that? Like, oh yeah, what, have a party. No, we need to learn to celebrate someone else's success. Celebrate those things that we privately criticize. Now, some people will say to me, oh, that's being fake, Kathy. No, we're called to celebrate one another. Now, I struggled with this when uh, a few years ago, many years ago, uh, just to give you a background story, I'd been part of the music team since I was 16 years old. And you know, I was a bit of a veteran thought, oh yeah, I'm really good. Uh, and I thought, you know, when you think I've earned the spot, I've been here for years, no one can move me. And <laughs> I know, whatever. Anyway, this was years ago, not me now. But, um, 
My husband was in charge of picking the people for our church album, and we were releasing our first church album. And I made the mistake of saying, hey, you don't need to put me on there. I'm all good, you know, like, but you know when you say something, but you don't mean it? And I was like, yeah, don't put me on. I'm all good. We've got so many younger singers, just put them on. And uh, he said, okay. He listened to me. He took me at my word. Like, don't you know that I change my mind every day? Anyway, I think I was feeling really humble that day when I said it. But a few days started to unfold and he showed me the list of the people on the album. And I was like, didn't see my name. Have you ever not been picked for something? Like, you know, maybe you're like, you're average at sport and you're like the last one to be picked. Or you're at a dance and no one asks you. I felt like that. And um, I didn't tell him that I felt really horrible. I was like, oh, cool. This is awesome. It's gonna sound amazing. But I remember my attitude and I started, it was like with Cain, where sin was crouching at the door of his heart. I opened that door and I let jealousy come in. And I can tell you it's really ugly. Did I feel at peace? No. In Proverbs 13.30, it says, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer to the bones. I felt like it was just riddled through me. And I tried to hide it. But I remember, um, because I had a lot of friends on the album, and they were filming it at the time. And I remember just standing there, and I couldn't worship. I was like... You didn't even pick me. Man, that person sounds flat. You know, you start to go, why did they pick that person? They can't even dance, you know. I mean, I can't dance. But I started to talk like that. And I just looked really sour. I think I just worshiped like that. In my head, I was like, God, I pray that it's not successful. So ugly. Do you know it took me a long time to listen to that album? Because I was so riddled with jealousy. I didn't talk to Sam about it for a while and I remember thinking, you need more discernment, Sam. <laughs> Meanwhile, God was like, Kathy, oi, <laughs> wake up. You need to learn to celebrate. And then he pointed, to, pointed me to the passage of Luke 15. And I was like, oh yeah, God, I'm like the lost son. He was like, nah, you're like the older brother. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean, God? So I read through it. This idiot son, you know, took his inheritance, was horrible to his dad, walked out, spent it all, realized, oh man, I'm an idiot. I need to go back to my dad and try and be a hired servant because they, they get more pampered than I am. I'm, I'm eating with pigs. So he goes back and his dad welcomes him. He runs to him. 
hugs him, gives him a kiss and a ring and a, and a robe. And the older brother is standing outside and the dad throughout the story is like, we must celebrate, we must celebrate. And that was a key phrase in that story, we must celebrate. The son who was dead is now alive. The son who was lost is now found. We must celebrate. And the oldest son was like, stuff you, Dad. I don't wanna celebrate. And that was me. Folded arms during worship, having a really bad attitude. And the Holy Spirit said, Kathy, come on, you need to learn to celebrate. So I played the album in the car, stopped criticizing, you know, what I thought was flat. It wasn't flat. My attitude was flat. (laughs) And I started to sing in the car, and I was like, thank you, God. Thank you that we have an album. Thank you that we have an amazing team. God, I celebrate their success. And I started to worship freely. And my heart started to unlock. The reason why I share this story is because all of us can have those moments. Because we're always one decision away from stupid, am I right? Someone said to me, oh, but you're a leader. I'm like, yeah, leaders get offended. Leaders can get jealous. We're human. But it also says in Corinthians, we are human full stop, but we don't wage war as humans do. And so the challenge is, yeah, I am human. I'm getting real with you, God, but full stop there, I'm not gonna wage war like a petty person. So I change my attitude. I start to celebrate. I start to worship. And now I can say with freedom, I know how to celebrate other people's success. Because you know what? The reality is there will always be someone better than you. There will always be someone better looking than you. There will always be something better. But what is your attitude like? Can you celebrate someone else's success? Even if you think they don't deserve it, can you celebrate? Because we must celebrate. And that is a father's heart, celebrating every success. And not being that person if someone fails, told you so. I knew they would fall. Don't be that person. We learn to celebrate. Also, we need to practice gratitude and in everything, give thanks. Now, what does that look like? It means I thought of the passage in Philippians 4 where Paul says, I know the recipe of being content with or without. It's being content with what you have and what you don't have. Now, this is a man who wrote this in prison. It wasn't a pretty prison. It was dark and it was horrible. But he knew the recipe of being content with and without. Can we practice gratitude this morning? Can we be thankful? And I said in the first point, we must celebrate others, but also number two, we need to celebrate how God has made us. Because it says in Corinthians that 
We're a body. We're part of a body that are made for many parts. And so not everyone has the whole package. That's why you're all needed. We're different parts. We have different talents. We've got different strengths. But on our own, we're useless. That's why we need each other. We need each other. We need to learn to be grateful for what God has given us, how he has made us. So celebrating others, but also celebrating how God has made you and not comparing yourself, but being content. I love what my mother-in-law Helen says. She says, you're content until you compare. So let's be content. Thank you, Jesus that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I thank you, Lord, that it says in Ephesians 2.10 that I am your masterpiece, created for good works in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Start declaring the word of God over your life. Thank you, Lord. I thank you. I celebrate others, but I also celebrate how you've made me. So start to celebrate how God has made you. Maybe you think I'm talentless. You must be good at something. Just think about it. You must be good at something. If you can walk, that's amazing. If you can talk, that's amazing. Come on, let's be thankful for how God has made us. Even our families that God has given us. Our children, thank you, God. Maybe you're like, I've got rat bad kids. Thank you, God, that I've got kids. Be thankful. Let's practice gratitude and learn to celebrate others and how God has made us. Number three, everyone has pain. And what that does is it releases empathy. We start to think, oh, actually, that person hasn't got it all together. Everyone has their pain. Some people aren't loud about it. (laughs) Some people are loud. You know what? There are some people that are really silent in their pain. You just don't know. I don't know. Some people, when they hurt themselves, they're like, ah! And there's some people that are really quiet. But everybody has pain. And what that does is it releases empathy, but also it takes off judgment. Now, if you're thinking about people that you're, you're, you're just like, God, it's not fair. Their life is amazing. Do you know their whole life? I don't think you do. Do you have a camera on them 24-7? No, I don't think you do. As a family, we shared about our pain last year on Mother's Day. Everybody has pain. But this is what I hate when people start to say, my pain is worse than your pain. (laughs) It's like, you know, when you you hear someone's testimony and you're like, wow. You know, people that have been, you go, wow, man, I wish I had a testimony like that where where I was on P and I got saved and set free. And then you tell your story like you didn't do anything and you feel really terrible, but everyone has pain. And you've got to realize that. So we've got to celebrate others' success, but we've also got to celebrate 
how God has created us, but also we've got to remember people have pain. That's a sign of true maturity when you can put yourself in other people's shoes. Everyone has pain. So if you're thinking of school or your workplace, wherever it is, and you're just annoyed at someone, just stop for a minute. And remember, everybody has pain. So even, that, even if that person is really horrible, you go, so what actually happened to that person to make them horrible? Everybody has pain. Number four, we need to learn to trust again. The opposite of jealousy is trust. Everybody has pain, so we start to lose trust. Do you know what jealousy says to God? Jealousy says to God, God, you owe me. That's what it's saying. You're saying, God, you owe me because I missed out. I really missed out on that. I feel really ripped off, God, like that person, their family, they're prospering, they're doing so well. That church is doing so well. God, that person is really successful. But God, I don't know if I can trust again because you owe me. God owes you nothing. It says in Psalm 20, I think it says that some trust in horses, chariots, and all these other things but we trust in the name of the Lord. If your trust has been broken today, I pray that it would be restored, that you can trust again. Here's the thing, people can fail you. Like I said, we are human, full stop. We are human and human beings hurt each other. That's part of human nature. But when we said yes to Jesus, our old life was crucified with Christ and now we've become a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, new things have come right now. So we are a new creation. We are a new creation. But yet sometimes we fail and sometimes we hurt people intentionally and unintentionally. But I pray that you would learn to trust again Maybe your trust has been broken by the words of someone you've trusted. Or maybe you've been disappointed. Disappointment is so horrible. I've been disappointed so many times and I've said with my own mouth, God, you owe me. (laughs) I've been a Christian for so long. And nothing has shifted. I've had an attitude like that before. And it's like, Kathy, where have you been hurt? Where have you misplaced your trust? Why are you disappointed? And it says in Proverbs that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire realized is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And if your hope has been deferred today, I know a healer. Trust again. You can trust again. Everyone has pain, but we can trust again. 
We can trust God. As a family, when we went through our stuff, our pain, it was like, I don't know if you've ever been burnt with a hair straightener when you're straightening your hair. It's really painful. And my um, hairdresser was straightening my hair and she burnt my ear accidentally. But you never forget that feeling. You never forget that feeling. So when someone straightens your hair, you kind of flinch. You flinch. And I remember flinching. And it's like, God, are you, God said to me, are you flinching? Because I want you to fully trust me. You're not gonna get burned. You can trust me again. Because we can put our disappointment on God. He's not the one that's disappointed us. But when we realize that desire, when that promise happens, it's a tree of life. It's like that hope, that river of hope, that hope. And that's what it, it comes through, that hope that everlasting hope. Because <laughs> sometimes we go, this is my desire, realize God, this, that, and the other. But remember, He's God, and sometimes the way He gives us the answer is not the way we want the answer. But it's trusting Him, trust Him. Maybe you're at school, and you're really disappointed with how you're going at school. Maybe you're disappointed at your friends. Maybe you need to change your friend group. There's a word. If your friends aren't helping you, why don't you help them? What do I mean by that? If they're being a bad influence and you can't influence them, just walk away. And sometimes... God is just saying to us, hey, you need to celebrate. You need to celebrate others, their success, not their failures. Celebrate someone's success and you'll see that God will work and bless you. He always does. But we don't do it out of a wrong motive. It's like, God, what am I learning through this? And he's saying, like he said in Philippians 2, have the same attitude as Christ, of thinking others better than yourself. It's not about getting your answered prayer sometimes. It's about what am I doing in you? What am I doing in you, Kathy? And it's like, okay, God, you're dealing with my attitude. You're dealing with my spirit. You're dealing with my heart. And what does he want? He wants my whole heart. Isaiah 26, three says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. And I wanna encourage you, put your trust and your faith in him. People will let you down. You've probably heard that before, but God will never let you down. He will never let you down. 
You can trust Him again. You can fully trust Him again. Learn to celebrate others. Celebrate how God has made you. Everybody has pain and you can trust again. Trust God again. He will keep in perfect peace those who trust in Him.